Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, we are just one more day away from Friday and a beautiful weekend. What you got lined up? I will be spending this beautiful weekend in my office on Saturday, unfortunately, as busy season comes to a so close to a, to an end. And on Sunday, I will be shopping for new clothes because the Packers don't play till 8.30, and I need to get rid of my fat pants. All right. All right. Wow, I can't believe you got – what are you guys done with busy season? Uh, December 6th is when all the uh, Board of Ed audits are due. Ah, uh, coming close, coming close. We're, we are so close. I need, I need to become a real person again. <laughs> as soon as I get out of the office today, I'm scrambling down to MSG. Going to be covering the 2K Classic for Big East Coast Bias. And to say that I'm excited is an understatement. I have I, not slept. <laughs> are you really? Holy crap. That's awesome. I am so excited. I finally will get that first burn of the season, and it's going to be a good one down there at MSG. That's nice. Uh, Marquette's in it, right? That's I'm assuming who you'd be focusing yeah. on. Marquette, SMU, Michigan, and Pitt. Okay. Yeah, that's not that bad of a field. Better than some other fields we know about. So, um, some other uh, November <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> yes. And uh, Villanova actually played in the 2K Classic our freshman year, I think it was. Yeah, I remember that. I remember I really wanted to win the, the 2K 14 or 13, whatever copy it was back then. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. 13. So we got a busy weekend lined up. As do another, a number really, of Nova teams. They got, as we're going to get to a little later in the show, they got some good stuff ahead of them. But first, we're going we're gonna to stir the pot a little bit. Pull out the uh, Daniel Ochefu cookout game. We're going to stir the pot. <laughs> we're going to stir the pot. So two games so far into the season. Obviously, we got a small sample size. But you can also look back at what these two players did when it comes to answering this question. Chris, are you ready for this question? Wait on me. Something I've been talking about with a few people. I want to get your opinion on it. So, should Mikhail Bridges supplant Phil Booth as a starter this season? Ooh. I'm g- just, just before even analyzing anything, looking into the stash, just, you know, just personal opinion. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Why? I – why? See, now that's the thing. Why? Because um, I think our lack of size down low is probably the biggest factor for me. And I know Bridges isn't like a true center, but he, he can play anywhere on the court, one through five. And I like what, I like, like what Phil does – offensively, but is it really that much better than Bridges' game? If I, I'd say Bridges' offensive game is probably on par, if not better, and then his defense just puts him over the top, I, I, in my opinion. Now, I guess it, if you want to throw Booth out there, that's definitely a more traditional look, but I think we talked about this when we first found out about Nova's starting lineup back a few weeks ago, that I had initially predicted that I think Bridges will eventually come on later in the year and replace Phil Booth as a starter. Um, yeah, what, what, do you, what, what is your opinion? See, going into this season, I thought Mikhail Bridges would be a starter. 
I just okay. thought his numbers were better. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like things are fine the way they are. As crazy as it sounds, I feel like when you have a bench weapon, you know, when you have a guy that comes off the bench, he's playing starter minutes anyway. Right. You know, when you have a, a Swiss Army knife, he could literally play anywhere, like you said, one through five. It's It just changes the dynamic of the game. That's why we, we love our six men. That's why we have six men of the year awards. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like where he is right now is great. You know, we have the depth where we can have those interchangeable parts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the way he impacts coming off the bench, six man, you know, you think you think you're wearing out the starting rotation. No, no, it's about to get worse. <laughs> it's about to get worse for opponents. True. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I guess if you look at it from that standpoint, I guess that makes sense. But you can have Booth coming off the bench, and he's a pretty good viable option as well. So, I mean, if you're looking at it from a six-man standpoint anyway. That is true. I mean, if you look at the numbers right now, Booth isn't performing as close as Bridges, as his classmate. It's weird to think that they came to the same class just because Bridges redshirted. Yeah. But right now, Booth is averaging 24.5 minutes per game, exactly seven points per game, two rebounds, two assists average. He's shooting four for 13. Not ideal. No. And which is 30.8% over, overall, mm-hmm. and then 33.3% from beyond the arc. And then you compare that to Bridges, who's averaging 24 minutes per game, mm-hmm. and he's one of the top scorers. He's got just over 11 points per game, six rebounds, three assists. Mm-hmm. The man's efficient, 61.5% so far on the floor. I get, I get where you're coming from. You know, I see, I see it. I see it. I can vibe with that. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I feel like Villanova's offense runs better when it has two point guards. We saw that last year when you have two point guards running on the floor. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's something about Jay's system that just it just works. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. And I think that's why he's definitely going with Phil because he's a guard. It is it is guard you for a reason. Um, yeah, I with with Bridges though. Here's his here's the thing. And here we we were looking at uh Ken, Ken Palm stats because if you're a brand new subscription to Ken Palm, we we love Ken Palm over I here. I love Ken Palm. We we love him. Great man. Mikhail Bridges finished third in the nation from two point field goal percentage standpoint. He shot seventy one point six percent from the field. If you take out all if you take out threes, just from two, just inside the arc. Seventy one point six percent. Bill Booth, on the other hand, shot 42%. Now, he did have about 40 more shots, but he made less. He made 13 shots less than Mikhail. And if you want to go from a three-point stance, last year, since this sample size is just not big enough to really make any call, judgment calls, Phil shot 30, 39 of 123 for 31.7% from three. That's not good. Bridges, even worse, 23 of 77, just under 30%. And I believe for the Big East, I believe they finished last and second to last in three-point shooting percentage. It, it might have changed toward the end of the year, but when I remember late last year, that that's where they stood. So I guess because Phil's just a little bit better from three, I guess Jay wants it to run that way. But like you said, it's – it's um. I, I do think that his system is more is definitely based around guard play, 
And I think that's why Phil will probably have the starting role. But another point you brought up, which is a very good point, I think Bridges will, it does play starter minutes. So he'll be okay. He'll get his minutes. He might even play more than Booth on some nights. So even though he's not starting, he's probably playing just as much or if not more. It's about that formality. You know, you know, you want to be able to say that I'm a starter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, one thing to note though on your boy Bridges, he actually had the highest raw offensive rating in all of the Big East last year. If you don't take minutes into account, according to Pen- Ken Palm. So raw is just just pure offensive production? Yeah, just just pure offense production, not looking at it like, oh, you need to have this many minutes to qualify, quote-unquote. And he was number one. And he was actually number one. Yeah. You know how big we are on efficiency on this podcast? We always talk about it. That that I guess that's efficient. <laughs> yeah, another thing, too, Booth's offensive rating has kind of dropped since his freshman year, which he was great. I remember that freshman season, 2013-2014, or sorry, 2014-2015, he was fantastic. He, mm-hmm. You know, quarter threes? It's Forte. Yeah, it was. But he he hit a literal sophomore slump. And I we can chalk it up to whatever it was. The injuries, the mono. Do you think he still has mono? <laughs> uh, I, I hope not. <laughs> There's one thing I learned from Jay Wright. Apparently mono can linger for a whole season. For but, whole- hey, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they have top doctors. And I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. Right, I guess. I guess so. And – and apparently you can play through a serious knee injury the whole year. And just have a little minor procedure and everything's a-okay. Yeah, honestly, yeah, Phil Booth was a warrior. If he really did have mono and a knee injury, I don't know how he managed to do that. Yeah, I mean, props to him. I mean, talk about you. Everyone talks about the hockey guys being the tough ones. I mean, if he, if he really stuck a whole season through that, that's pretty pretty nice. Yeah, mono's one of those things that you're, like, glued to your bed for yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, luckily I've never experienced that. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you think he can climb out of the hole he's in right now? Yeah, I, I don't think that these numbers can sustain itself on, on, from Booth and Bridges. I think Bridges is going to regress a bit. I mean, obviously 50% from deep, that's just that's not going to work. And But he, do, he probably could shoot better from the field in, in general because last year did prove that. Um, but for Phil, I don't think he'll be as bad as he did was last year, but I don't think he'll be as good as he was freshman year. So I think somewhere in the middle, and that will definitely bring him out of the hole. I mean, you show, he showed signs of it during the Final Four last year, Oklahoma, and obviously the National Championship game. I mean, who, who could ever forget that? Playing Harold Jensen 2.0. Yeah, he could not miss in that title game. Couldn't miss. Game of a lifetime for sure, but – he can't produce whole season at that rate either. So I, I'd say, yeah, it, it'll be in between his freshman and sophomore year stat statistically. And I, I just can't see him shooting 30% the rest of the year. I would hope. Cause I don't think any college basketball player would want to shoot 30%. Yeah. No. Looking for 40, 40 or higher. 40 or higher. Yeah. And just, just look at his stats. You're, from his freshman year inside the arc, he shot 64.5%. From three, he shot 48.5%. Then regressed mightily in both areas, shooting 42% from inside the arc and then 31.7% from, from beyond the arc. And, I mean, I, there's regression, but that's just a steep, steep decline. And that, that has to figure itself out eventually. 
I mean, math happens. So <laughs> I think Jay just loved what he had last year. He definitely loved what he had last year. To be able to have Archie Diakono and Brunson, two point guards, two talented point guards, out yeah. at once in a starting lineup. I think he's just really trying to do it again. Yeah, I, I, that's what your line of thinking has to be. It just because the, I mean, the stats are there from last year and part of this year that Bridges is the better player. But you know, situational basketball too. So it depends on who's on the court as well. So I, I mean, like if you see like a team like Purdue again, you're definitely going to have Bridges out there more than Phil. But you know, for like maybe in the Big East, like against Creighton, just off the top of my head with a good backcourt, uh, you might want to have booth out there so so maybe not in the media future or maybe maybe even but we've seen similar transitions before you know you think back to our freshman year 2012 2013 season you had maurice sutton fifth year senior uh, throwback throwback <laughs> thursday i forgot blocking, he was even on the team <laughs> blocking machine maurice sutton you had him to start you know he began the season as a starter started the four right next to Booth Tauru. Then eventually, a young freshman named Daniel Ochefu had the nod at starter. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't ready yet. Got pulled probably after like a month, a month and a half. Right. But meanwhile, while all this was happening, Nova's top scorer was on the bench, and his name was Javon Pinkston. <laughs> eventually, Javon Pinkston did get the nod later in the season, and he was a starter from then on. Mm-hmm. But do you see something similar to this happening in which Bridges will eventually be put out, and if so, how long do you think fans will have to wait until you see some sort of change? This kind of goes back to our original question. So, yeah, I do think that Bridges will eventually supplant him and transition into the starting role. But how long? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if Phil's not able to climb out of this hole, I guess you're going to have to change it. I mean, but Jay loves riding with riding to the death with his guys, so I don't know if he'll be too quick on the hook there. So, yeah, I mean, I, if you want to set a line of demarcation, I guess you can put it at like Big East play. Uh, I, I, I'm really not sure. But, yeah, I do see Bridges coming in at some point and transitioning in. It's tough. It's tough because, I don't know, I feel like this offense works best, best when you have two-point cards. But like you said, if you're shooting 30%, you know, low 30s, you can't really sustain yourself that way. No, you can't, and you're going to find yourself on the bench and playing less minutes night in and night out. So we'll, we'll see how Jay adjusts. He, he handles this pretty well, and as we've just pointed out with past examples. So he knows what he's doing. I trust him. <laughs> we'll definitely keep an eye on that as we move forward. I don't think the lineup will change going into this weekend for the uh, recreational league that's <laughs> taking place. Yeah, rec ball. You had to pay a Nice little registration fee to get in. Intramural teams <laughs> coming to play the Wildcats. Uh, Maybe they'll stop by Myrtle Beach while they're down there. Who knows? Yeah, Jay, Jay tweeted out yesterday that they were on a ship. Oh, really? Yeah, I f- forget what ship it was. Oh, okay. I just saw they were on a tr- ship, and he says he's excited to be part of the the uh, tournament they're a part of. Uh, the one in uh, South Carolina. Yeah, of course, of course he's excited to be part of it. I mean, what else can you say? Can't really fault them there, but still. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye out on this starting lineup as the season unfolds. Yeah. But in the meantime, there's something that's caught my eye, especially recently, this past week. Mm. It's something about 
that we've we've joked about before. So, unless you're classmates with the basketball team, which you and I have been able to do here and there during our four years over at the Mainline University. Hmm. But unless you've been classmates with those guys, it's kind of hard to get to know the, the real basketball team. You know, the guys behind the numbers, behind the jerseys. Mm-hmm. You know, when that camera goes on or the microphone's in their face, they go into media mode. <laughs> yes, I got to see that firsthand in Louisville. I've never seen such a change of pace <laughs> between out of out of media mode and in media mode. It's all about Villanova basketball attitude. Mm-hmm. All the guys on the piece of hardwood that stretches 94 by 50 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they like to shy away from controversy. Ask Jay Wright, did he see Halil Kenesevich flip off the student section? Didn't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> All right, when you got clubbed by Sterling Gibbs, what did you think? I don't know what happened, but we'll read the tapes. <laughs> Granted, they, they made up after the game, but when he was asked in that moment, he said he didn't know. I'm not buying that. Sweet. I will. Yeah, I'll never buy that argument. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, they shy, they shy away from controversy. You know, all athletes at Nova undergo some sort of media training and are taught how to conduct themselves on social media, especially with accounts, with Twitter or Instagram. You know how it is. You can broadcast to lots of people, mm-hmm. even people who aren't even your followers or your friends. It's not right. like Facebook, kind of safeguarded. Right. And it's understandable, you know, you. You know, they say you play for the name on the front of the jersey as opposed to the one on the back. But even when that jersey comes off, you're still representing that name on the front. You know, I get it. Mm-hmm. Now, we've briefly touched on this before. After Big East Media Day, when Jenkins spoke about potential anthem protests, which haven't happened, by the way, but they did say a message at Hoops Mania, a nice blanketed statement that just kind of said, all lives are, you know, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing them come up in different ways, addressing different issues. You know, you have Josh Hart. He retweeted about how college athletes should be paid. And then you have Jenkins and Pascal tweeting or posting something in regards to relational equality. Most recently, if you look at Omari Spellman's Twitter, he's not afraid to tell it like it is. You know, he's he's not taking his year easy. <laughs> he's still firing away at Twitter. You know, he's just he's tweeting, discussing different current events calling people out. He's not afraid to get into a little verbal engagement. Then the other day, you have Hart and Reynolds make a stand for women, proclaiming that there's no locker room talk at Villanova. They filmed that message, tweeted it out. They're personally endorsing a film that comes out tomorrow on Friday, titled Not in Our Locker Room. One of our own, Lexi Nall, she's actually involved with that project. Mm. The film is meant to explicitly express issues of rape culture and sexual assault on Villanova's campus. You know, when you see all these different things coming up, what do you think about Villanova's own basketball team becoming more vocal on these types of subjects and issues? Um, I like it. It's better than, you know, having the iron curtain thrown all over the place and just not being able to break free and, you know, just talk about Villanova basketball and attitude all day. You know, it's nice to have players with a personality that you can identify with and whether you agree with them or not is, up to you but i'd rather have that than you know the guys who just do nothing at all like i i i know i always love bringing up my cross sport references but the new jersey devils have been one of the more most notorious 
teams where you just don't hear anything from them. Their players are very cut and dry, not, not a lot of media, you know, favoritism. Like, they don't give them a lot to talk about. And, you know, it's fun. It's, like, fine when you're, like, you know, you're kind of look, like, young and whatever. But as you get older, you kind of want to see these guys have a little bit of a personality. You want them to see I have an opinion because these are people you look up to. Seeing college kids forming a, 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 uh, an educated opinion, it represents the university well, honestly. And that, that's, I think, the main goal here. Yeah, I think, you know, women's rights or, you know, and racial equality, I think that's something we can all vibe with, that we're all pro for. You know, we don't, you know, you and I, we don't want to see messages of hate. We don't want to see any of that. Right. I mean, especially when you, you know, I'm sure you remember your experience with the diversity skit. Mm-hmm. I remember mine. I'm sure people listening, they definitely felt one way or another. You know, Kayla Smith, she was there, and she told me Omari Spellman blew up on one of the plants that they had there, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, first first week at school, and he's just not afraid to tell it like it is. Yeah. I mean, well, that's good, though. <laughs> we need more people like that <laughs> instead of just the ones who just sit back and do nothing, kind of. Yeah, and it kind of, you know, it kind of undermines that whole stereotype that, you know, jocks are only there to play basketball, that they don't really care about anything else or play whatever sport they're there for. Right. They 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 went to go play school as well. Unlike some other universities <laughs> featuring players who are nicknamed after guns. Guns. 12 gauge. In Ohio. <laughs> I mean, does this come to a surprise to you that they're becoming a little more vocal? Yeah. I- Yes, this this is surprising because for four years, uh, we had to deal with the very quiet on the media front, not really opinionated team. And, you know, was, like I said, it was fine, but now you get to see it from the other end now, and it, I like it. It's a good surprise is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like I remember at Big East Media Day when Jenkins talked about potentially – protesting the anthem which ended up not happening but you know that was just kind of like the first of many other things to happen and it's it really is a surprise because i've joked about you so many times mm-hmm. how you know it seems like the only thing they care about is putting on the villanova jersey and playing for nova nation mm-hmm. you know kind of they go into robotic media mode and mm-hmm. it's pretty cool to see them not do that yeah. you, you get a taste of what they're really like and what they really care about yeah it makes it more human in that sense because I mean, for us it's a little different because we did go to school and have class with some of these guys. But like I don't know, like for like the younger kids, you know, they still you look up to these people like as your heroes almost. So I guess I don't know, having them give opinions even though they might not be able to understand them and comprehend them, I mean, it's it shows that they're you know, human beings. They're not just basketball players. Now, do you see this as a good thing or a distraction? I know you like it, but, you know, some people think it's a distraction. How do you kind of view it? I I honestly can't see this becoming a distraction unless it gets, I, I don't know, out of, I wouldn't say out of control. I wouldn't even know how it will get out of control in that sense. I don't know. Like, if it's, like, constant tweets or you know, firing back at people on Twitter, like just people trying to like stir the pot and be trolling and all that stuff. That's how I can see it becoming a distraction. And then, you know, 
you tweet something stupid, then ESPN gets a hold of it, and then it becomes viral, and then you don't want that to happen. So, I mean, like every like maybe like a comment here and there, or a tweet here and there, and that like I have no problem with that. But if it's if you're like starting flame wars on social media or in the or in just the regular media, then yeah, then that becomes a distraction. But I just don't see that happening because just that's just how this program's run. It's weird because. You know, I like it, and I feel like they do a good job of handling it the right way. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, when it came to Anthem protests, they weren't going to do anything, or they weren't even going to bother to make an official statement until they met as a team with Jay there, and they were going to talk about it, have an open discussion. So, you know, they're, they're, they're taking an educated stance. They're not doing anything, you know, just kind of rushing into it or – just kind of doing it uneducated. There, there's a reason behind what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I think some people, you know, they're they're saying that oh, you should just shut your mouth and just play basketball because that's what you're there for. But I feel like you know when you go to college, you're there to learn, and while you're there too, you know, you're just because you play basketball, you can have an opinion. You're allowed to have an opinion, and you can share those opinions as long as you do it the right way. And I think they've done so responsibly so far. Yep, I agree. Can't. One interesting though, you know, Josh Hart, he's he's been really all about the money. Mm-hmm. And college athletes, time and time again, this debate comes up, whether it's with Money Manziel making another deal or whatever scandal comes out, Ben Simmons talking about being offered a Bentley and a house. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see Villanova or the NCAA paying its boys and girls? No. That's because I just don't want to see it. <laughs> Not that the players don't deserve to get paid. I just, it's just a too big of a slippery slope to, to deal with. Because if you're paying, if if Josh Hart's getting paid, why why can't you know the, the water polo team get paid, or like what 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 constitutes how much a person an athlete gets paid, and then you're just going to lead to wage gaps and it's just, it's just going to get ugly. And then, you know, the lesser teams are going to be arguing that they should be making more. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's just too messy, which is why I don't think it, it should happen. At first I wasn't for it. And then I was for it because, you know, the, the common argument that they make is, you know, you see how much these universities are bringing in, like, especially Nova, like, how much money do you think they made off of the national championship run? Right. And, you know, jerseys being sold. Like, you you know, you see your number. Kids are wearing it. You don't get to see a dime of that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when I thought back to it, it's really hard. It's too hard. Because, you know, you can't say, sure, Josh Hart, you can make $5,000. But, oh, sorry, you're on the equestrian team. You only make 500 Like, that's just not fair. No. Definitely look at it. A Lafayette or, you know, Lafayette or even one of those smaller teams that we used to play. NJIT. NJIT basketball players. Obviously, mm-hmm. how are you going to do it? Because clearly one school is higher than the other. It's it's just not there. And then I feel like after that, you can easily, when it comes to recruiting, now that amateurism is thrown out the window, you could just have a bidding war for the highest high school athlete. And then right. that's messy. That, that would just be it. A- mess oh my god can you imagine just imagine if lebron was a high school free agent i guess so to speak god booster clubs just 
vouching. Like Lonnie Walker would have probably gotten like a thirty million dollar suitcase, like oh, put God. at his door. Yeah, that's true. I was, yeah, and then like you don't even have to like look at it from like a cross sport reference. You can look at it like, your own team. Josh Hart, he he's the best player. So shouldn't he be making more money than I don't know Dylan Painter? Like so that's also true. Then that leads to some messy locker room discussions. I I know when you're a pro, you have you know, wage discrepancies, but that's, I, I think that's, that comes with territory. I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's just like any other job. Like, you know, who people have been there longer, uh, longer are going to be making more than you than if you're just the fresh faced kid right out of college. But I don't know. I kind of feel like when in college, you're kind of all in the same playing field. So I guess it has to be even at that point. Yeah. It's not like you can even base it on year either. Because, you know, you get those one and dones, and they're obviously near the top of the food chain. Like, why would they not make more than, like, a senior who's just been on the bench the whole time? Exactly. Um, and then you can also make the argument, which I kind of believe in the most, is that they are getting paid. And that is the scholarship to attend the damn good university. So, I, and, yeah, that, that's where a lot of people uh, kind of draw the line. And I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, that, that, that is a classic argument for that side. I mean, 200K, though, is nowhere near the millions that the school makes. But at the same time, you're literally opening Pandora's box as soon as you make one law on how athletes should be paid. Yeah, I agree. It's sticky. Yeah. It's sticky. Like the shady business that goes behind it and goes <laughs> under the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we hate the NCAA, but if there's one thing they're doing okay so far it's this <laughs> yeah they, they literally have to uh hold up the the walls there as best yeah. they can yeah for sure so as promised earlier we're going to talk about this big upcoming weekend there's a lot at stake for a number of teams over at 800 east lancaster ave villanova pa we've got some tournament watch now first off there's a certain tournament taking place that the basketball team will be participating in. You may see this on Twitter. You may see this on ESPN. You may opt to watch this tournament that takes place in the South, but we will guarantee you that three wins will come out of this. If not, then you'll hear about (laughs) our reactions on Tuesday. (laughs) But here are some other alternatives, because some of these other Villanova teams have a lot more on the line than this rec ball tournament (laughs) intramural championship taking place. In South Carolina. Yes. We have shared our sentiments on that tournament. (laughs) Yes. And let's run through uh, some of the bigger games out there. Now, this one, I know you were really stoked about when we talked about it last time. Yes. We got men's soccer. They're taking on Akron in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. This is the Wildcats' first ever appearance in the NCAA tournament. So to say this is a big deal is an understatement. It's huge. This will also be the first time ever that Nova and Akron meet. Chris, tell us about the Zips. Well, the Zips are coming off one heck of a year last year. They um, made it to the Final Four. So they have that tournament experience that we kind of touched on last episode. And, you know, that's a big task for anyone to face, especially in their first time in their tournament in their tournament history and the zips are coming off a 12 5 and 3 record Stewart 
Malthusen and Adam Najem are the uh, top players for the Zippies. Malthusen has seven goals and assists, and Najem can score and dish with a five-goal and five-assist stat line for the year. And this game will take place at 5 p.m. today. And if Villanova can somehow pull off an upset, and you know, even if they don't, this is huge for the program because it'll bring in support, and it should hopefully, I don't know, bring in more funds. Because if you see this program doing good, I mean, why not make a contribution? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the first ever tournament, like, this is a big deal. Like, this program's finally made it to the NCAAs, and they're having a pretty good year themselves. Akron, definitely not an easy task. I looked up what a zip was, but their logo seems like a mule or like a donkey or like a jackrabbit. I always thought it was a rabbit. Okay, yeah, see, that's what I thought. All right. <laughs> All right, yeah, because when I was, like, looking at it, I was like, what? remember those silly bands? <laughs> yes. It's yes. like, what animal is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So what is what is a zip? I, I believe it is a jackrabbit. I oh, don't know. I, I was just kind of looking at the picture of it. I didn't really look too much into it. Because, you know, we care about our obscure mascots on the show. We love our obscure mascots. <laughs> Akron zip. It's just, like, if you look at it, I'm pretty sure that's a rabbit. I think it's a jackrabbit it or a kangaroo. Jackrabbit. I can even I can even see kangaroo. I, I think it's a kangaroo. No, this is a kangaroo. It's a kangaroo? It's a kangaroo. It's a kangaroo. Chris has got the update and the confirmation that it is a kangaroo. Just, just a quick quote from their Wikipedia page. I know I'm not the best source to be citing, but the Zip's name is unique in college athletics and comes from zippers, rubber, uh, rubber sh- overshoes made by BF Goodrich Company that were popular in the 20s and 30s. How they got to become a kangaroo, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that's a kangaroo. There's like because their their logo that I know you're looking at, it's just the head, but they have a full body kangaroo, and they're apparently they're mascot tagline is fear the rue ah that is definitely a kangaroo so there you go there's any potential clarification on the zips so yeah if nova can beat an ncaa tournament like the kangaroos aka the (laughs) zips that would be so huge for the program i mean yeah they're they're basically an underdog from here on out because then they would take on seven seed indiana should they win Mm. but you know this would definitely make it a destination that players would want to go to you know, you see a program on the rise. Like, you would want to be a part of that. They need to keep the talent home. You know, they lost a defender to Syracuse a couple years ago. He transferred out, and he ended up helping them to a Final Four appearance last year. Really? Oh, yeah. That's got to sting a little bit. Yeah. Just and, bit. you know, you know, Akron's got a sour taste in their mouth because they lost to Stanford, who eventually beat Clemson, I believe it was. Four to zero in the finals. <laughs> Ooh. So you lose you lose in a scoreless draw in penalty kicks, and then you just watch that. That's got to hurt. Yeah, that it definitely leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you probably know damn well you probably could have beaten Clemson yourselves if you were keeping up with Stanford. Yeah. But, yeah, kind of building on your, your program point, back in my high school days, there was a kid who, who was a few years older than me. He actually went to Nova to play soccer. 
but he was like one of the top premier talents in North Jersey and he went to Nova and everyone's like, why is he going to Nova to play soccer? Like shouldn't he be going like ACC or SEC or something like that? Cause I know they got some good programs down there, down South. So the fact that he went to Nova was like a big shock to everyone because of just how mediocre the program has been. So if they really want to turn it around, just, just a win or would be huge. You don't have to make the final four, sweet 16, whatever. Just, just a win. Yeah, definitely a win today would be a huge statement. We will keep an eye out for that also here at tournament watch. Yes. <laughs> now, after that, we, we're going to transition over to the other football, the other soccer. Well, I guess I don't really call it soccer. They call it football, American football. They're closing out the regular season at Delaware. It's another installment of the annual rivalry, the Battle of the Blue. We've seen some good ones over the last few years. Nova currently leads the rivalry series with the Blue Hens, 27-21. to 21. The Cats have won the last four, but the previous three games have been all decided by a touchdown or less. Do you see Nova's one streak continuing? Yeah, I do. And that's just just the fact that, you know, Delaware just hasn't been good. And, like, I know this is a rivalry game, so you could kind of throw records out the window. But Delaware's 4-6, and six, and Villanova, you know, sitting pretty 7-3. and three. But this is Andy Talley's last, potentially last game. You can't not give this to him. Can you not? <laughs> yeah, Delaware loves, loves, loves to run the ball. They have three running backs they can go to, Wes Hills, Jalen Randolph, and the guy in the nickel, Thomas Jefferson. Is that really neat? That is really neat. Wow. Yeah. Okay. What if he goes by Tom or Tommy, just so that people don't get confused? It it would help. (laughs) It would. You know, the three of them have combined for just under 2,000 yards and 20 TDs this season. However, they have next to no passing game. They could use Joe Flacco. A real elite quarterback. (laughs) He's got a ring, yeah. and he was a Delaware alum, which is weird if you think about it. Yes, considering he was throwing touchdowns against Villanova only for the next year to be throwing touchdowns against the Steelers in the AFC Championship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, things change quickly. Yeah, right now they've had three quarterbacks, and they combined for five passing touchdowns and five interceptions on the year. Oh, oh God. Not a good time to play <laughs> wide receiver. Oh, God, no. Yeah, they're not producing any high-octane uh, offense over there. So this is a must-win game for Nova, who has one of the top run-stopping defenses in the country, in the FCS, CAA even. Does this play right into their hands? Uh, Yeah, it does. I'm I'm a big believer in this defense now ever since that one week where I said I just don't trust them against the, the high-powered offense. If they can pretty much shut down Maine and pretty much shut down James Madison for the most part, I, I think they can stop Delaware. <laughs> I know I know, the run game's great, but the run defense is better, and it's good. And I don't see Delaware's quarterbacks doing much of anything on the day. So, yes, I trust the defense. <laughs> yeah, and I would hope Zach Bedozic would not want to replicate what he did last week. I'm sure he's, he's feeling a little sour taste in his mouth, wants to prove himself. Right. Now, this is a must-win game. If Nova does not win, they can pretty much kiss the postseason goodbye. They would fall to a 7-4 record. However, if they do win, they'll be 8-3 and three and at least praying for an at-large bid, which could happen mm-hmm. since they are in the SEC of the SES. 
Yeah, as we joked about last time, if LSU can make the a BCS bowl game before uh, with ten losses, I'm sure Villanova can make a make it in an at large bid with three. Also, in a must win situation, we got the women's volleyball team. Last time we talked about it, they're in between a rock and a hard place. You got Nova sitting at fifth place right now in the current Biggie standings with an eight and eight record. Tight race for the fourth spot, where Seton Hall currently sits with a half-game lead. Top four teams get to go play in the Big East tournament Thanksgiving weekend. Now, the Wildcats, they got both ends of the spectrum this weekend mm-hmm. on their road trip. First, they're going to head over to Providence, Rhode Island on Friday. The Fries are in last place. But then after that, they travel over to Creighton to face the first place and defending champion Blue Jays on Sunday. So... One thing I noticed when I saw their – when I was looking at Crane's schedule on their website, you know how good teams, they like to put the postseason rounds, like they put a placeholder for the postseason games yeah. in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't only have the Big East tournament semifinal and final on their website. They had all the way up to the final four of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> A little overambitious there, maybe. Yeah, you, you know, usually, you know, you look at it, like Villanova basketball, they got the Big East tournament there as a placeholder, but they got, they're got they going all the way. They're, they're going <laughs> full drive, full speed ahead. Uh, Yeah, that that's actually pretty funny. I don't know. Maybe they were just teaching the intern how to work the website, and they just kind of got out of hand. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that, other than pure hubris. Yeah, hope, yeah, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. <laughs> they they need something over in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, they do. They are great. A great team, but we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So the Blue Jays are undefeated so far in conference play. They're 16-0 going into this weekend. The odds obviously aren't looking that good for the Cats, who mm-hmm. absolutely need to win both games against Providence, and then at Creighton to at least ensure any shot of heading back to the Big East tournament. Chris, I saw the scary stat. In the 16 conference games that Creighton has played, the Blue Jays won 13 of those by sweeping their opponents. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, that, that's good. That, that, right? That's good. <laughs> um, three, so... How many sets did they lose in conference play then? They've lost three sets in conference play. So you're saying three teams lost to them three to one? Yes. Can you name the three teams? Um, just off your tone, I'm going to go with Villanova. And Tapal's another good one. And let's just throw out Marquette. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he got them all. He got I, them all. I nailed it. Yeah, you, yeah, you nailed it. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, that, that is pretty fun. Yeah, at least Villanova can say that they were not swept by Creighton. I mean, that could change this weekend. Yeah. Knock on wood. But, you know, you, when you see these odds, when you see it like this, uh, it's, kind of a, it's kind of one in a million. Yeah, especially considering they need help as well. Like, significant help. So, yeah, it's, it's like we talked about last podcast. It just throws you off your edge a little bit. And 
knowing that you need what Butler to lose and then Seton Hall to lose, but you got to go out and beat the best team in the conference, <laughs> the team that has lost three sets all con- all conference play. Good luck, have fun. I don't expect it, unfortunately. Now, Creighton was one win- one loss away from a perfect or one win away from a perfect conference record last year, and the team that beat them was Villanova. It was part of that uh, pavilion, uh, pavilion, God, uh, the Jake Nevin streak. The Jake Nevin magic. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they're going to be at DJ Sokol Arena in good old Omaha. Beautiful arena. Mm. We're going to be keeping an eye on them because it's, it's a tough race. They're going to need to win both and hope for two losses from Seton Hall and from Butler in order to squeak in. Yep. You just got to pray. <laughs> Catholic school, got to pray. I mean, everyone's a Catholic school, but we all got to pray. Except Butler. Butler yes. And I'm sure there's another team. Yeah. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Last, but certainly, certainly, certainly not least, Patrick Tiernan, <laughs> the GOAT, and Andrew Marston are competing at the cross-country NCAA championships on Saturday, repping the men's team. And then you got the women's team. They finished second at regionals, so the whole the whole gang's gonna be there racing at nationals too on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this was the races we were hyping up big time last podcast. Oh yeah. And you know we're definitely gonna be watching that Tiernan and Cheserick matchup. Yep, it's better than the rec league going on in South Carolina. This is Tiernan's last go at it. Cheserick is the defending champion, and it's definitely not a joke. It's not. <laughs> Now, uh, when you combine what he's done between the cross-country, indoor, and outdoor seasons, he's made it to all NCAA championship races. He's finished first in 15 of 17 races dating back to his freshman year. Oh. It's kind of like Creighton. It's kinda, you, you know, this is like Patrick Tiernan's Creighton. This yeah, is Creighton. Yeah, I was about to make that comparison myself. We're... We, we've seen two impressive stats back-to-back. Jeez. He only finished – well, not only, but he did not finish in first two times. So I guess that leaves the door open, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's clearly not invincible and not a god, as many may say. But if Tiernan pulls off the win, you got to imagine this would be an upset like no other. And I'm going to even go ahead and say this is even bigger than Nova winning the national championship. But, of course – no one's going to know, unfortunately. Uh, we'll know. Our viewers will know if that happens. We'll, we'll get the word out. <laughs> what if, we, we will do it. If no yeah. one will, we will do it. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will bear our cross for that one. What, is, it, is it possible? Just maybe, just maybe the, the bench mob live tweets the race. Ooh. <laughs> See, it's hard because we couldn't send anyone to Indiana. <laughs> that was that was the you know you kind of kind of look in our financial office but like oh <laughs> it's either you send them here or you send them to the rec league tournament down south right and uh unfortunately we couldn't get them anyway could you even get a press pass for that yes for, for cross country yes really we wanted to how would that work see i've always thought about that but I know that after the after the race and before the race, they have like press conferences. Okay, I was just wondering where they would sit for like press, like 
the equivalent of like a press box if there is any. Yeah, I think there's just like a section. But I'm sure at Nationals it's a little more legit than that. Yeah, I, I would have to assume so. So the two went toe-to-toe last year until Cheswick pulled away at the last mile. We're going to throw out some names for you to root for. Then we got Patrick Tiernan, Andrew Marston on the women's side, Angel Piccarillo, CEO for Clary Butner. They're the two, the two main gals leading the pack. Mm-hmm. Definitely check this out. I don't believe – I think there might be an off day for the tournament down in the South, Carolinas. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no excuse to not watch this. So nice. this is also before the Battle of the Blue. So we're just, we're, just, we're just mapping out your weekend for you. We're just mapping out what you should look at. Yeah, yeah really. Just, it'll, it'll be an all-day affair, at least. <laughs> get your race in the morning, got the Battle of the Blue in the afternoon. And then you you said the the rec league has a day off on Saturday. Yes, yes. Okay, but then on the other two days in between Saturday, you'll have a game. So there you go, perfect. Now I I did hear that there is a Western Michigan versus Villanova game happening late uh, later today, or in a couple hours really at eleven thirty a.m. matinee. Oh oh god. Now if you are able to watch this while you're at your office, yeah. and. <laughs> We will apologize if Villanova is not winning by at least 25. <laughs> yes, this, you can solely blame this one on us. I, I will put that Nova will win by at least 25 on, in each of the three games. And if Villanova loses, you will hear from us. Oh, we, we will have a whole tirade rant, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> if they lose. But I don't see that happening. So we should, we should be... Uh, Pretty level-headed for the next podcast. <laughs> and there are games on Friday and Sunday. So if you feel tempted that you do want to check in, we will go ahead and guarantee that they'll be up by like 30. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be checking in. But... I'll, I'll be checking in too while I'm at the 2K Classic. <laughs> Just to make sure that there's no chaos down there. Right. True. Only on Twitter. Not not actually going to tune in on TV. No, you won't even have the chance to. Also true. But there will be TVs all around me, so maybe. Are you going to be courtside for that? or? I don't know how, yet. How is the press box working in Madison Square Garden? Oh, it's nice. They got, like, TV screens on the table. <laughs> oh, like the, the monitors? The yeah, like, built monitors. into the table. So I yeah. remember I was, like, watching, like, the ACC championship while the Big East was, like, warming up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You got the hookup over there. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, we got some mail today. One question. Oh, good. This is from Megan McCaffrey. She wants to know, during your time at Nova, who was your favorite basketball player to watch? You're taking this one first. I need to think about this. <laughs> oh, man. I was kind of hoping that you would think about it. All right, that's <laughs> I get to think about it. <laughs> God, it's hard. This is hard because, see, when I look at Jenkins, I love Jenkins because he's the hype machine. He reminds me of how I played. Just got hyped on everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of screwed up and down the court. But I think my favorite has to be Darren Hilliard. I don't know what it was. I thought his game was so smooth. The man's on the Pistons now. And he was just, like, such a good guy off the court, too, to just talk to. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Darren Hilliard. I'm going to ha- be a lame and I'm going to have to agree with you. 
he was my favorite. And well, I know we're, I know we're emotionally attached to Arch and Chef because you know they're our class. Um, but yeah, Hilliard was just he was he was so cool. <laughs> he was just smooth. Everything about him, like you know, he 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 personified Villanova basketball to to the up, uh, utmost degree. Um, but I will, I will say this: there was a stretch of time that I. I did think that Dylan Ennis was my favorite player. <laughs> it was a small stretch. I'd say just around Biggie's star Biggie's play junior year. It was two years ago. I'd say Dylan was my favorite at that time, but ever th- that came to a screeching halt. Does does we? He's yeah. a duck now. He's a duck. Ducks got upset earlier this week. Do you think he misses Nova? Yes. The fact that he got to miss out on that championship, yes. Now he he says he says he's cool with it. I'm sure he says that. I'm sure he's not. I'm sure his Twitter does reflect something that is the complete opposite of what he feels on the inside. Yeah, but at the same time, you know there is a logjam over at guards, so who knows? True. It was the right decision for him personally, but I'm sure a part of him misses it. Yeah. When you texted me that Oregon got smacked the other day, and then you followed that up to, uh, up with Dylan Ennis stat, Dylan Ennis's stat line, I, I was in shock that Dylan Ennis <laughs> was still playing. Yeah, he got hurt last year, so you kind of forgot about him a little bit. Yeah, I was more in shock that he was playing than the fact that Oregon got smacked around by Baylor. I I guess so. What? So that's a medical red shirt. And then he had a transfer red shirt. He's a six-year senior. Oh my god. He's running out of classes to take. You might as well just Is he getting his graduate degree at that point? Wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, what do you do at that point? I don't know. Why don't you just go to law school and keep gotta have a master's by now. Man. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to State of the Nova Nation. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. It's free. Everyone loves free stuff. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Follow us on our Twitter handles, at ViewBenchMob, or my own personal one is at eRapay5. And my personal one is at the Stance Man. Nova Nation, one more day till the weekend. It's Thursday. Have a good weekend, and we'll catch you back on Tuesday.